Good morning. How are you today? Good? This is the first time we've uh, gathered in uh, Sheep Street since the new year has begun, so if I haven't had a chance to say to you before, then Happy New Year. For those of you who are new and wondering who I am, hi, I'm Paul. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's a, it really is a, a privilege and an honor to see you this morning. Last week at Big Church, where we get all of our various sites together, Steve kicked off this new series that we're, we're, we're embarking on for the, for the first few weeks of, of the year, and it's a series called Thrive. And our idea is, is that the scriptures tell us that all of life... So the scriptures tell us that um, all of life belongs to God, and it's actually on loan to us, and, and that we are called to steward what he has given us. And so as we step into this new year, we want to explore or maybe re-explore what it means to faithfully steward the resources at our disposal, time, power, etc. In order that we don't simply survive, but that we thrive in both life and ministry. Today we're looking at how we faithfully steward that resource that God has given us called time. How we make our time fruitful and effective for him. We're going to be turning to the uh, second letter of Peter this morning. So if you have a Bible, whether that's physical or electronic, now's the time to get it out or turn it on and go to 2 Peter chapter 1. And as you're doing that, let me just explain that this morning... I'm going to be reading from a contemporary translation of the New Testament. And this translation was done by my favorite theologian, N.T. Wright. So Tom Wright, apparently I I quote him every week. It's not true. Um, Tom Wright, for those who don't, yes, I do. Tom Wright, for those who don't know, is one of the world's leading New Testament scholars. And he's taken his vast knowledge of the time, the place, and the culture of the New Testament and provided a translation that, whilst remaining true to the original intent and meaning of the original Greek New Testament, it also uses contemporary English in a way that helps convey the same meaning to us today so that we can acquire a first-hand understanding of what the New Testament had to say in its own world but also urgently has to say to us in our world today. So N.T. Wright's translation is called the Kingdom New Testament. I think I've got a picture up there of it. Uh, sometimes it's called the New Testament for everyone. He's actually um, got together with Old, Old uh, Testament scholar John Goldingay, who did a similar thing with the Old Testament, and together they've produced the Bible for everyone. So I highly recommend, if you want a, another translation to read alongside do your main translation, the Bible for everyone, it really is a very good translation, whether that one or the standalone Kingdom New Testament. Okay, advert over and on to 2 Peter 1. 2 Peter 1 starts in the Kingdom New Testament like this. Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of, the G- of Jesus the Messiah, to those who have obtained a share of faith equal to ours in the righteousness of our God and Saviour, Jesus the Messiah, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. God has bestowed upon us through his divine power everything that we need for life and godliness. 
through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and virtue. The result is that he has given us through these things his precious and wonderful promises. And the purpose of all this is so that you may run away from the corruption of lust that is in the world and may become partakers of the divine nature. So because of this, you should strain every nerve to supplement your faith with virtue and your virtue with knowledge and your knowledge with self-control and your self-control with patience and your patience with piety and your piety with family affection and your family affection with love. If you have these things in plentiful supply, you see, you will not be wasting your time or failing to bear fruit in relation to your knowledge of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah. Today, I want to focus on that part that says you will not be wasting your time. The NIV puts it as you will not be ineffective. But before I do, let me just say, wow. I absolutely love these verses at the start of 2 Peter. Peter is telling us that actually Jesus has done it all. Let me read verse 3 to you again, just in case you missed it first time round. God has bestowed upon us through his divine power everything, not just some things, everything that we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and virtue. Doesn't that just make you want to say, wow, just me? Okay, fair enough. Verse 4 goes on to say that because of this, because of what Jesus has done, we can partake in this divine nature. Another way of saying that is that we get to do what we were created to do, to be the image bearers of God. That we get to join God in the renewal of all things. That we get to join, to operate in the kingdom of God. We don't get this privilege or this honor of partaking of the divine nature because of anything that we have done, but because of what Jesus has done. Because Jesus has done it all. And because of that, because all that we have belongs to Jesus, Peter goes on to say, so because of this, you should strain every nerve to supplement your faith with virtue, your virtue with knowledge, and your knowledge with self-control, and your self-control with patience, and your patience with piety, and your piety with family affection, and your family affection with love. Let me be really clear. You partake of the divine nature not because you do all these things. Jesus has done it all. But because Jesus has done it all, these are the things that you should strain every nerve to do. One of the most precious resources, I think, that we have, and I mentioned at the beginning a number of different resources we have with money, we've got, we talked about legacy last week. I think one of the most precious resources that we are asked to steward is time. That we will not waste this resource called time. That we won't be unfruitful. I want to mention just three things about this thing called time before I talk about how we steward it. The first thing is time is precious. You know, we all have limited time. 
on this earth. Regardless of how long you live, the amount of time you have is finite. Statistically speaking, one in one people eventually die. So the amount of time we have is limited. It is precious. Imagine if our government issued every person a sum of money when they were born. Now, I know you have to have a really good imagination to go with that, but please just, just go with me on this. Now, you don't know how much money you were given. You could have below, you, you know how much the average that each person gets, that's what you do know. But what you don't know is whether you're below average, whether you're above average. You could be significantly below average, or you could be significantly above average. You just don't know. And in, in this imaginary world where the government gives us all free money, what you are issued with is all that you get. You can't earn anymore. When you run out, you're out. And you don't know when your allotment runs out until the very moment that it does. I bet in that situation, you would spend every single pound very carefully. You wouldn't waste a single pound. Now, instead of pounds, think of days. If you get to live to be 80, then that's roughly 29,200 days. If that doesn't quite feel enough, then maybe convert that into hours, and it gives you just over 700,000 hours. And I know that sounds a lot, 700,000, yep, thank you, sign me up for that. But you sleep for a third of those hours. And once you have spent a day or an hour, then there is no getting it back. It is gone. It's a crude analogy, and if you push it too far, it completely breaks down, so I'm going to stop there. But I think the point is made, and that is our time is limited. Our time is precious. Once it is used or spent, then it is gone. The author and columnist Harvey McKay said, Time is free, but it is priceless. You can't own it, but you can use it. You can't keep it, but you can spend it. Once you've lost it, you can never get it back. So time is limited. Time is precious. Time is valuable. The second point about time is that time tells us what we love. Because time is precious, because it is valuable. What we spend it on should be a great indicator of what is important to us, a good indicator of what we love, what we treasure. The author Martha Kilpatrick said, time is the treasure of life. Time is life. Time is the willing sacrifice that you offer up to the, to the worship of what you love. Don't tell me what you love, Tell me where you spend your time, and I'll tell you what you love. I think that to some extent that's true. Assuming that you're not completely wasting your time without any thought, that you're being intentional with where you spend your time, then I believe we can observe what someone spends their time on and know what is truly important to them. If you looked at my life, for example... 
and what I spent my time on, if you exclude sleeping, eating, working, etc., then I think you'd conclude that I love a number of things. I love watching science fiction shows. I love, surprisingly, playing video games. I think you'd probably be able to tell that I love history and that I love theology. Hopefully, you would be able to tell that I love my daughters and obviously my very patient and long-suffering wife, Esther. And at the moment, apparently I really love exercise, although I think that's necessity rather than love. And hopefully, hopefully, you would be able to tell that I love God but I'm afraid that you, it wouldn't be as obvious as I would like. So here's some questions for you. And I genuinely want you to think about this, because this is important for the rest of this talk and also as, as, you, as you go out from here today and how you action this. Think about what do you spend your time on? What would someone deduce you love by looking at where you spend your time. What do you treasure? Or should I say, who do you treasure? Is Jesus the center of your life? Would anyone know that by observing where you spend your precious time? <coughs> My final point about time before we look at how we become better stewards of it is simply this, and that is time is a gift from God. It doesn't actually belong to us. It belongs to God. It's a gift from him. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, 15 said, or says, And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. We are to live for Christ, live for Jesus who died for us, when we accept Jesus as our Lord, if you have, then we are saying that we will live for him, that we will make the most of our time here on earth, being more like Jesus and doing what Jesus did. Co-workers in the kingdom of God. Now, this is a concept that shouldn't be alien to some of us. When we work for our employer, then our time is not our own. During the hours that we are paid, then we do what our employer expects of us with our time. If I spent all my time whilst I was at work on my hobbies, assuming one of my hobbies isn't work, then my boss would have every right to complain. He would have every right to fire me because my time is not my own. How much more does our time actually belong to the God of creation, the God who created time itself, the God who then gave everything and paid the ultimate price that we might live. In Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We have to remember that we are God's workmanship and that we are created in Christ Jesus for good works, that actually we are accountable for how we spend our time. 
The author, Jaquel Crow, wrote this about her time. I don't realize that I'm accountable to God for my time. And that's why I waste it. That doesn't mean that we behave as slaves or prisoners, that we don't have the freedom to enjoy the time that God has given us. Far from it. God wants us to live a full life. He wants us to live life to the fullest. Allow God to use time to help transform you, to make you more like Jesus, to be all that you were created to be. I love this quote from the evangelist and author Ravi Zacharias. He said, Time is the brush of God as he paints his masterpiece on the heart of humanity. Live the life that God intended you to live. Be a good steward of the time that God has gifted you. So how do we do that? How do we ensure that we are good stewards of this amazing, precious gift called time? How do we ensure that we, we do what the apostle Peter said when he said, you will not be wasting your time? It's a great question, and that's what I will focus the rest of this talk on. But first, I know some of you might well be thinking right now, wow, time is precious. And you know what? I have got so much to do. I'm just so busy. And the temptation is then to rush, to hurry, or to think, I actually need more time. I need to squeeze more into the time that I already have. The pastor and author John Mark Comer said this in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. The solution to an over-busy life is not more time. It's to slow down and simplify our lives around what really matters. In other words, don't hurry, but do slow down. It's not about rushing through time at such a speed and pace that actually you miss out on it. You don't enjoy it. It's about savoring each and every moment, spending it on the things that will help you thrive. Just before I move on, if I can recommend one book on the subject of time, it's John Mark Comer's book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. It is a fantastic book on how to remove hurry from your life, how to slow down, simplify, and focus. And actually, a number of the tips on being a good steward of time today have come from his book. Okay, cracking on. The first thing we need to do, if we're going to be better stewards of our time, is to create some margin in our lives. What do I mean by creating margin? Well, what we need to do is we need to create some space in our lives, in our schedules, to be able to have time available to spend it wisely. We do that by identifying those things that soak up our time needlessly. In other words, identify the thieves of time. Ask yourself, what are the things that you spend way too much time on, which have very little value. The things that just simply soak up the hours, but which afterwards, you're not rested. You don't feel closer to Jesus or more like Jesus. That afterwards, you don't feel inspired or refreshed or healthier. 
What are the things that are the thieves of your time? Now, no condemnation, but maybe it's one of these things. First, is it television? Nothing wrong with television, but how many hours per day do you pour into watching it? How many hours watching TV or, or watching streamed videos, whether previously recorded on Sky, on say your Skybox or Netflix or Amazon Prime box sets? I know I've shared this before, but it's worth saying again. The CEO of Netflix was interviewed and asked whether he was concerned with the competition from Amazon, Apple, and other online video streaming services. And he was really nonchalant. And he just said, no, 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 no. Our number one competitor is sleep. You know things are wrong when Netflix isn't fighting Amazon or Apple. They're fighting sleep. How many of you have finished binge watching that box set on Netflix and Amazon? And I'm not looking at you, Abigail or Eleanor. Switch it off and say, wow, I feel so rested. I feel edified and enlightened. I feel close to God and have so much clarity on my identity and calling in life. No one says that. No one feels that way. And if you do, come and see me afterwards. We need to talk. Please don't misunderstand. There is nothing inherently wrong with Netflix or Amazon, etc. But it will squander our precious reserves of free time on things that don't actually help us thrive. And this has been a major issue for me in the past. Um, I say in the past entirely in faith as I'm starting to change my habits, and more on habits in a bit. So maybe television is a thief of your time. Or maybe is it social media that's stealing your time? Social media covers a broad range, including Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. In 2019, there were 45 million social media users in the UK. That's 67% of the entire population of the UK. Now, not all of those were very active users, but even so, the average social media user, the average in the UK, spends close to two hours every day across social media. It's the average user. And that includes people like me, who are technically a social media user, but I probably don't spend more than 15 minutes averaged out over the week, just enough time to do some likes and maybe watch some Star Wars review videos on YouTube. How are people spending two hours every day on average? But they are that and more. So maybe social media is a thief of time in your life. Or maybe is it playing video games that's a thief of time in your life? Is it stealing your time? I know, as I mentioned earlier, it might come as a surprise, but this is one I am very susceptible to. Now, don't get me wrong, and to make it really, really clear, I am absolutely rubbish at video games. Truly, it's shocking. But I do enjoy them. It's not unusual for me to spend the majority of my free time on a Saturday playing game, a game or games on my PS4. 
Time literally runs away from me. I might only intend to spend an hour, but five hours later, I have my long-suffering wife, Esther, dropping some very non-subtle hints. Hints like, stop playing, get a life, do something more productive. That usually is responded by me saying, oh, just, yes, dear, five minutes more. That's when I get the Esther eye roll. So maybe, I'm not looking at her on purpose, just <coughs> in case. So maybe it's playing video games. That is the thief of, your, of time in your life. There are so many other things, though, that can steal time in your life. Just search time-wasting activities on the internet and you will get a whole load of other activities, some even backed up, apparently, by research. Just some of those mentioned include checking email, guilty, deciding what to eat. Apparently, on average, 37 minutes a day are spent deciding what to eat. Who spends 37 minutes deciding what to eat? Oh, there's a few here, okay. 37 minutes, okay, well, it was on the internet, so it must be true. <coughs> deciding what to wear. Ladies, apparently, you spend 16 minutes on average a day deciding what to wear. What? Now, hold on, you guys are all sort of smug there. You don't get away with it. 14 minutes? I've seen what you're wearing, gents. You have not spent 14 minutes putting that outfit together, let me tell you. Apparently, we spend seven minutes a day thinking about exercise. Not doing exercise, <laughs> just thinking about it. We also waste our time on gossiping, surfing websites, that's Esther's one. In trouble, checking your smartphone, reading tabloid news, worrying about outcomes that won't happen or you can't do anything about. And finally, searching for time-wasting activities on the internet. <laughs> Apparently that takes a long time. It does, actually. It took a while. Now, be honest. How many of those activities that I've mentioned are you guilty of spending way too much time on? And I'm not saying you should eliminate them entirely. Although, do eliminate gossiping and needless worrying. But identify them as thieves of your time. We'll come back to that list in a bit. The next thing to do is to be intentional. So much of our free time is wasted because we are not intentional with where we spend our time. It wasn't planned or on purpose, it just happens. I don't wake up sometimes on a Saturday morning thinking, I know, I'm going to spend most of my day getting thrashed on FIFA or playing Star Trek online. It just happens unintentionally. We need to be intentional with our free time by spending it on things that really matter. Spending it on things that help us thrive that help us be more like Jesus and know Jesus more. To do that, we need to identify the things in our life that are important. Figure out what are the essentials. What are the must-dos? Not could-dos, there are loads of could-dos, but work out what the must-dos are. 
Now, I'm talking about free time here, so assuming sleep, eating, washing, working, schoolwork, etc., already covered. If you were to create a list of stuff of must-dos with your free time, what would be on that list? Hopefully, it would include spending quality time with friends and family, reading your Bible, praying, spending time in God's presence, worship, studying your Bible, and yes, that is different to just reading it. Exercise. Now, to be honest, that would not have made my list six months ago, but yeah, it really should be on everyone's list. Learning. I'm a passionate believer that throughout our lives we should be learning new things, expanding our knowledge and skills, whether it's theology, cooking, crocheting, or dancing. No, dancing isn't mine, or crocheting, or cooking, come to think of it. But anyway, learn something new. I'm sure there are many things that you could add to your list, but whatever it is, ask yourself, will it help me thrive in my life, my ministry, and my relationship with God? We need to understand the things that are priorities in our life because we simply do not have the capacity, the space, the time to do everything. We need to make decisions. And we do that by eliminating the thieves of time in our life and being intentional about what we do do. Making a choice, a yes or a no. As John Mark Comer said in his book, life is a series of choices. Every yes is a thousand no's. Every activity we give our time to is a thousand other activities we can't give our time to. Still with me? Yes? No? Okay, we're coming into land. You may, be, may well be thinking right now, it's all well and good saying, identify the thieves of time, eliminate them, then focus on the priorities. But how? Well, that leaves me to the final thing we need to do to avoid wasting time. It, to ensure that we are good stewards of the time that God has given us. And that is to build habits, not resolutions. This is the time of year when many people New Year's resolutions. And by now, were we the 12th, most of those resolutions have probably failed. And that's the problem with resolutions. Many resolutions are built purely on good intentions, but many of those intentions will fail if they're not backed up by action, if they're not supported by habits. Change only really comes about through habit forming. We need to build habits, not resolutions. We need to take action. And to be clear, I'm talking about good habits, not bad habits. Bad habits are really easy to form and really hard to break. But good habits can lead to transformation, good change. And I know that habit forming isn't easy. It takes a commitment. And dare I say, even takes some sacrifice but it is worth it. I know many of you have heard of my weight loss journey. I finally not only made the decision last October to lose some weight, but I actually took some action. 
I started to create some new habits in my life, primarily exercising for a minimum of 30 minutes every day, but also watching what I eat. I didn't go on a diet. I was just more conscious and intentional about what I ate. So no more crisps, biscuits, cakes, donuts, and that was just for breakfast. Now, I may have slightly overindulged at Christmas, but I started out in October weighing 19 stone three pound. I now weigh just under 17 stone. So, and towards the end of this year, I plan to be closer to 14 stone. Good habits do lead to change and transformation. Okay, as we start to wrap up, what can you do to create some good habits in your life? John Mark Comer's book has a whole bunch of habits or what he calls practices that are really worth adopting. You can also see some of the practices on the website practicingtheway.org. Focusing specifically on being good stewards of time, though, do the following. Create your list of time thieves. Estimate how much time you really spend on them in a day or a week on average. I think you will be shocked by how much time you spend on them. Create your list of must-dos. As you create it, ask yourself, how is God calling me to use my time? What matters most? What is most important? And what will help me thrive in life and in ministry? Pray, then go back and review both lists again. Create specific actions. These are specific actions not only to help us eliminate the time thieves in our life. For example, putting time limits on the amount of TV that you watch, but also specific actions to help you with the must-dos. Sign up to a Bible reading plan, for example. Who signed up to a Bible reading plan or started a Bible reading plan at the beginning of the year? How many people are still following it faithfully? Uh, some of you put your hands down. Pray on the commute to work might be one of the must-dos you decide on. Or maybe even do a minimum of 30 minutes exercise every day. The other thing you need to do is be accountable. This is being accountable for your actions. So maybe be accountable with someone else. Huddles are great for this when you meet with two or three others of the same sex. It's great for accountability where you meet together and you allow them, you give them permission in your life to challenge you and say, did you do that thing that you said you were going to do? Or more likely, did you not do that thing you said you were going to do? It's a great place and it's a safe place for you to do that. Another thing you can do, and a bit of a plug, um, Pete and Anya have got a small group. I don't know if there's any room left in it, but they're going to be focusing on eliminating hurry in their life. It starts on Thursday, so if you're interested in that, sign up. I have to do that because Pete had a go at me at the end of the first service for not mentioning it. <laughs> or maybe you can use technology. To-do lists, daily reminders on your phone, I use my watch to tell me how much exercise I've done a day, how many calories I've burned, how many times I've, I've stood up. Um, and it's like got three little rings. And I've now become obsessed 
with making sure that I close those every single day. And since the 5th of October, I've closed them every single day. And now the pressure's on because I can't break that streak. I've just kept it going. So now that's about the only thing that's keeping me exercising. <laughs> I must do more, must do more. Most importantly, though, is do something. Take action. Don't have another failed resolution. Form some good habits. Remember, our lives belong to God. Our resources, including our time, belong to him. Steward that precious resource of time in a way that's not only worthy of God's grace, but will also help us live the life we were designed to, to live a life that helps us thrive, that will help us be more like Jesus and know Jesus more. If you're able to, then please stand.